You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 82, with Natasha Nurse. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's up, Blazer Nation? For all my West Coast trailblazers, listen up. I'm going to be in Anaheim for Podcast Movement the week of August 21st. And we're debating a meetup in LA on that Friday night, the 25th. Hit me up via email, stephen at tvpod.com, and let me know if you'd be down to connect with us if we do something like that. I'm really excited. I'm going to be delivering a talk at this year's podcast movement event on branding, growing, and marketing your amazing podcast while still working a full-time job. And that's what I've been blessed to do over the past year and a half, right? And so I'm going to go through a seven-step framework on how new podcasters can do the same. And I've put together a ton of practical, actionable wisdom that I'm going to be sharing. And I'm just so eager and thrilled about the opportunity. So say a prayer for me as I prepare for this amazing event. Today's featured guest is Natasha Nurse. She's an adjunct professor at Nassau Community College. She's the owner and founder of Dressing Room 8 and also the lifestyle editor for Plus Model Magazine. She's a lawyer, business owner, and a public speaker. And today, she introduced us to her coaching philosophy and discussed what success means and how to develop a mindset for it. Do me a favor and share this up on Twitter and Instagram. I've actually recently been using IG stories on new episodes and been getting a ton of views. If you happen to be sharing this up on social, be sure to tag us. Our handle is at TVPod. We'll be sure to show some love, right, and help retweet or share your post as well all that said let's get set to dive into today's amazing content and episode with our featured guest natasha nurse enjoy natasha welcome and it's really great to have you here and i'm excited for you to be our featured guest today thank you thank you i'm really excited to be here as well So I have to admit, right, I don't Mm -hmm. know a great deal about your background. So I was Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, maybe we could start today by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe challenge you to share something about your bio that you haven't shared in a previous interview. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Okay, so first and foremost, I'm born and raised in Manhattan, New York. I'm proud of being a New Yorker in that sense. And I have, I guess, something I don't necessarily share. Mm, I will come back to that question. I will (laughs) go through the bio as I normally have. I'm a lawyer by trade graduate of New York Law School. And I was in a position in my life, in my professional world, where I felt very unmotivated and unhappy in what I was doing. And I had the opportunity to decide if I was going to kind of lull along and just do what we're supposed to do, or if I was going to step out and be a bit more riskier. So me and my business partner, uh, we're both co-founders, 
we decided, you know, yeah, like, if you want to do this, let's do this. And so Dressing Room 8 was born out of the belief that I feel that I'm able to connect with women in helping them achieve personal and professional transformation. And we do this in a couple of ways. First, through consulting with women business owners and businesses that are geared towards providing a product or a service to women. Also offering coaching and working one-on-one with women and kind of working through their barriers and really letting them see that prosperity is not limited, that you can do what you want to do and make your business what it's meant to be. If you're willing to, to have the mindset of success, if you're willing to put in the work. And then lastly, I love to talk. So why not do public speaking events? Why not inspire and motivate and educate people in person and really have those connections that hopefully have long lasting effects. So that's kind of the story of how Dressing Roommate came to be. Now for the question of something that I don't normally share, um, you know, no one's ever asked me like, what are some of my fears? So I would say that I am insanely not comfortable with insects. So that's something (laughs) (laughs) that I don't normally share with people. I love that. So what propelled your interest? You mentioned you're a lawyer. What Mm -hmm. propelled those interests to go into law school? So I am, again, a proud graduate of Penn State University, where I went for pre-vet animal science. And when I arrived on the beautiful University Park campus, I was in love with the grass and the creamery ice cream. And then they said, hey, you have to dissect animals. Hey, let's watch a pig get slaughtered. And I was like, now this is not what I signed up for, right? (laughs) I like to play with puppies, not cut them open. So after my first year at Penn State, I started to take law and business classes. And from those classes, I really realized that I think that I wanted to switch gears and kind of pivot that experience. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go to law school. And whether I practice and be a traditional lawyer, or whether I get into entrepreneurship, a degree and a background and a training that you get from law school is completely fundamental in no matter what you're going to do. And thankfully, my intuition and my belief was right. And it was ironic, because I started law school, when the legal economy crashed in 2008. So it was, yeah, it was kismet. I think the universe was like, you know, do you, Tasha? But we're, you know, we're going to do things a little bit different and you have to just swing with it. And so that's kind of, you know, you have to, you have to respond to the world that you're living in. And I think that for me, law school is, it helped make me a stronger, a more capable, a more competent woman. So I love my background and how diverse it is because I think people also forget, you know, when you ask people who they are and what they do, I think it's so funny that people want to be like one word, right? Right. Like I'm doctor, I'm teacher, I'm you're not one thing, you're a human being, which means you're multifaceted, it's kind of like you're an onion, right? Mm -hmm. So there are many layers to you. So I'm happy to define myself in many verticals, because that's what makes me me. And it's it applies to everyone. No one is just one thing. Was there a moment in your life when you realized when that came clear to you that you could be everything Mm -hmm. that you want to be and not, you know, having to be defined and put Mm -hmm. in a particular bucket? (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. I attribute that actually very early on in my life to my father and my mother. Both of my parents are from Kingston, Jamaica. And you know, Caribbean culture, you know, we're all about working hard and being the best at everything. But my dad had always enforced and modeled to me that you don't have to be one thing. Because as a kid, I loved music, I loved art, I loved reading, I loved writing, I 
loved speaking, you know, and he was like, great, love as many things as you want to love, but be really good at every single one of them and make it a part of who you are and not be afraid of saying that you have many interests. As long as you're being genuine to who you are and you, everything that you do is a kind of a part of the life that you want for yourself, then more power to you. There, there are no limitations in what you want to do and how you want to define yourself. Right, right. Love that. So you mentioned dressing room eight a minute ago. What drives you today? What's your purpose for doing what you're doing? You know? Yeah. The women that I work with. Yeah. I just yesterday, I had a wonderful event that I hosted and it's all about just speaking with women and looking in their eyes and seeing how, you know, they say, you know, Natasha, I want to do this, that, and the other. And I'm able to work with them in creating a plan of action for themselves so that their dreams aren't just floating in the ether, but it's actually coming to life. And they're the reason because they're willing to put in the work and manifest what they want and really mean it, you know, because I think that, you know, everyone has to define what success means to them. But for me, a life that is full of helping other people be successful is success to me, right? It's a part of, you know, I'm a strong believer that we are stronger together, especially women, right? So I want to be the woman who helps build and propel other women because that only in turn makes me happier. It only in turn makes me stronger and more empowered. So that's a part of the driving force in addition to the fact that, yeah, I have a very wonderful, diverse Caribbean family who's very happy to ask me what I'm doing and how successful I'm at. So I have to have good answers for aunties and uncles and my dad and my family. And then also, you know, why not be why not be a driven person? Like what's standing in my way? Nothing. So, you know, just the fact that like, you can go out and get what you want is motivation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You hear a lot about challenges with equality for women around not having a seat at the table around not being able to get the same kind of funding as men in startups. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest challenge you think female entrepreneurs, especially black women as entrepreneurs Mm. are facing right now? That's a great question. I would say, yeah, there's definitely the component of the financing, right? So if, you know, depending upon what type of industry or what type of business you're doing and what type of startup funds you need, you know, I think that could be challenging if you're not meeting with investors or people who can see your vision or who are going to understand your narrative and why you're doing what you're doing. The other piece of it is, I think, and this doesn't just apply to women of color, but just women generally. Unfortunately, when we're interacting with all different people, you know, we have our own intentions as to what we want. And sometimes when you're dealing with people of the opposite gender, particularly, you know, people can have different intentions that they make very clear to you. And when you're trying to express a conversation and someone is, you know, hey, you know, love your lipstick. You know, it's not, it's a little insulting. It's a little difficult to deal with people not necessarily hearing you and then are focusing on things that are not at issue. And unfortunately, as a woman, I think we face that a bit more than than our counterparts. And then also just making sure that our voice is heard. You know, if you look at the news and you look at a lot of TV commentators and talk show hosts, they are constantly discussing the fact that, you know, when a, when a man is making a point, it's different than when a woman is, you know, sometimes we're getting interrupted. Sometimes Sometimes we're not, we're misinterpreted or characterized as being, you know, kind of off the rails or too, too energetic or too passionate when certain labels would not even come across when, when a man would be saying the same things. It's about making sure that 
we continue to push past stereotypes, that we continue to go out and get what we want. And if there are challenges, then being creative and also making sure that we connect with each other along the way. Because sometimes, you know, we're looking at certain people to kind of chime in and support our drive. But, you know, maybe we have to open up where we're looking to get what really needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about success. You touched on this just a second ago. Mm-hmm. But- you know, before we maybe dive into that discussion, let's help our listeners gain some clarity, right? Because one of the things I've learned over 80 something interviews now is that everyone has a different definition of success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe help us to understand one, how you define success and mm-hmm. secondly, how others should define success. Okay, great. So I think success is a concept that really has to be defined on an individual basis. So, you know, how do we get there? It's going to be comprised of a couple of factors. First, I think for myself, I say that what makes me successful or what makes me want to say something that's successful is going to be based around, is it something that makes me happy? Is it something that I'm passionate about? Is it something that has great impact on the community at large, as well as my gender, as well as my, you know, ethnic background? Is it something that I think can be transformative in nature? If those questions are answered with a yes, then that's what successful is. Also, to add into that, I think that you also have to, when you're defining what's success, you know, is this something that's for you, right? Like making sure that it's organic and speaks true to you. Because I think that you can be a successful person in an industry and people would see you as being successful. But if that's not something that's important to you, you know, is it really success? So I think it making sure that at the end of the day, if it's affording you a lifestyle that you want, is it something you really enjoy? Is it something that has greater good and impact in the world? I think that that's the definition of success. Right. So all on the same page, I really appreciate that. Help us to understand what are the keys to having a mindset for success. Yeah. So I do a lot of talks about this concept because I think that a lot of people, when when you're saying, I want to be successful, I want to go out and make X amount of dollars, you know, how do we get there? So first recognizing that we have bad habits. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, we have these voices in our heads. You don't have to say you have them, but um, (laughs) I know a lot of people say, you know, you know, the no's, right? The no, you can't do this, or you shouldn't do this, or what if this goes badly? All of those what ifs that usually have a negative tone in your mind, those are some of the bad habits. Also, what's another really bad habit? The procrastination, Mm -hmm. right? The, you know, I'm going to do it, but then six months later, we didn't do it. What happened, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what happened? You said you really wanted to do it. Well, you know, mm -mm, none of those conversations. So, so those are some like constant bad habits that I constantly hear about for my clients. So identifying what are your personal bad habits, like getting real old school, taking out some pen and paper, no stylus, no phone, pen and paper, writing them out. And then, then can we say, okay, see, these are my three, four bad habits. How do I eliminate them and replace them with good habits, right? So for instance, if we take procrastination, And you say, okay, well, I get overwhelmed because I have like a to-do list that's 50 things. You know, the day is half done. I've only done five of them. Okay. So, you know, maybe a part of the bad habit of being a procrastinator is the fact that you are overestimating how much you can get done in a certain time period. So to replace that, what we would do is work out, you know, you need to get 50 things done. Do they all need to get done today or do can they be done in a span of a week, right? Because then we divide seven into 50, right? And then that list then becomes a lot smaller. And then even upon that, 
how can we prioritize? There are things that we absolutely urgently must do. Mm. And then there are things that are kind of a medium tier of need to do. And then we have the low hanging fruit. So like, let's create a category for ourselves of what are must do's for today, for tomorrow, for, you know, the next day, and then really breaking out that to do list. So eliminating the bad habits, replacing them with good ones, having a plan, not only from just a scheduling perspective, like I mentioned earlier, but also big picture Mm -hmm. and small picture, right? What are we ultimately doing? We're not just answering emails, you know, answering calls. What are we doing? What is the bigger purpose for what we're trying to achieve? And then really making sure that everything that we're doing, whether it's from an email, a call, a meeting, a pitch, a proposal, how are these things funneling to getting us closer to the bigger picture? Because it's really easy to get caught out there being busy as opposed to being productive. So we have to make sure that we're working towards the greater goal of why we started what we started. And then, you know, I mentioned this earlier of, you know, the bad voices, your mind can be a tool or a weapon, right? So how we're thinking about ourselves, how we're thinking about the activities themselves, that plays a role in how we're being successful. Because when we make the small thing a much bigger thing, and it's the little molehill now has become a mountain, it's a lot harder to do something. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? It's a lot easier to kind of deflect and go around the mountain and be like, oh, that's why I'm not doing this because it's too big to do. Mm, Let's think about this. Let's really be logical. A lot of people like to think from their heart as opposed to their mind. We can't can't be in our feelings. We need to be logical and rational about what we're doing. And if we have emotional attachment to these tasks or these concepts, let's sit with ourselves, sit with our thoughts and really understand what's going on and why we're thinking the way we do, because it's having an effect on the outcome that we need to achieve. And then the last piece of it, I would say is, I like to say to my clients, to people that ultimately your net worth is your network. I cannot tell you the importance of how you need to surround yourself with the right people. I recently wrote a post about, you know, the six key players that you need to have in your life. Mm. And, you know, there are people that are your mentors. There are people who are just like your friend, your LOL friend, as I like to say, the person you see them, you instantly start laughing. <laughs> you know, the person who's going to take care of you, the take the caretaker who's going to ask you, you know, how are you feeling? Did you get enough rest? When are we going on vacation? You know, all these people play different roles in your life. And you really want to make sure that you're surrounded by the team that you need to have to get ahead. And, you know, and this doesn't just apply to like your work, right? But this is applied to your life, like as a whole, are there the key players who are going to help you propel yourself? And regardless of whether or not you want to get into entrepreneurship, you need these key players in your life to have an overwhelmingly more positive and well-rounded existence on this planet. So those are kind of the steps to having a mindset of success. Couldn't agree with you more. As a creative and an entrepreneur, you know, one of the things I've learned around that is mm-hmm. that I have to have process. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be able to see everything. I've gotten into the habits over the last year. Actually, three days ago represents a year since I wrote out my first BHAG, right? My big, hairy, mm-hmm. audacious goal, 10 years out. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of see how I've progressed over the past year mm-hmm. toward it. But also, as you said, you know, having that big picture You know, I've really gotten into the habit this year of putting action plans in place and tasking myself out with things to help accomplish those mid-level goals, right? Mm -hmm. Year, year long goals. You know, how can I get, you know, those goals 
how can I break that down into three and six month chunks? And, you know, and so, you know, as a creative entrepreneur, it's like the process, Mm -hmm. you know, to task those things out and to create action plans and to hold yourself accountable to deadlines. Mm -hmm. So important. I can't, I mean, it's, it doesn't remove the doubts that you talked about. I mean, even Mm -hmm. today I heard, you know, voices in my head, you know, talking to me and it's something that it's natural, right? Those, Mm -hmm. Those aren't going to go away. But I think that, again, coming back to it, having things written out, having things clearly organized and being able to look and see, okay, don't get yourself thrown off by the voices in your head. Mm-hmm. You can see the black and white, you know, mm-hmm. in process and know and see where you've progressed. So you, know, you, you keep pushing, right? Absolutely. Now, this doesn't prevent us from hitting bumps in the road, hitting roadblocks, having mm-hmm. failures. How do we deal with failures and bumps, roadblocks? That we call awesome. So yeah, trials and tribulations of life, right? Yeah. So I think it comes down to a couple of things. Primarily, I would say two words, faith and confidence. Mm-hmm. You first have to have faith in yourself that you can move past this period, right? When we're dealing with the lows of business, the lows of life, of family, relationships, whatever, you know, it can suck. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah, it can be uncomfortable. Are you alone on this? No, I'm sure a million other people are experiencing what you're experiencing at that very moment as well. But how do we get past this place? So first, you have to believe that you can move past it because that's half the battle. And then what? The confidence is going to be necessary because you need to confidently create that action plan for yourself to get out of the lows and also have the confidence to say that, you know, this isn't just going to be for today, but that, you know, we're going to work toward what's going to make this whole situation better. And then also, you know, having a bit of patience. I think we're in such an interesting time in our lives where that instant gratification, want and desire is bigger than it's ever been, I think. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that I get it. I get, you know, when you have things that instantly respond to you, or you only have to wait two minutes to get something, I get how that can kind of trickle down and affect our expectations and other aspects of our life. But ultimately, not everything is a sprint, some things are a marathon, and you have to be willing to kind of breathe, take a moment and recognize that some things, you know, can be eradicated within a day, within a couple of hours. And some things, maybe it's going to be a week, maybe it's going to be two months, maybe it's going to be three months. But having the patience with yourself to understand what your timeline is for what specifically you're dealing with and not putting an expectation that's only going to drive you more upset and make you more angry that something isn't just being fixed tomorrow. Because if it's not a one day fix, it's not a one day fix. You have to understand circumstances and work within them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's great that you even said that because, you know, sometimes it may not be that short term mm-hmm. situation, right? Maybe it might be something much long, you know, for mm-hmm. the last year or two years, you feel like you've just outright lost your way, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do in that scenario if you don't find you've lost your way on your path, so to say? Interesting. So you feel like the person had an intention and has gotten away from the intention. What do we do now kind of a situation? Well, I guess, you know, you really, again, sit with yourself and figure out, okay, so we've gotten a little bit off track here. So what is the intention? Is the intention now if we're a year or two years out from the original goal? Is the original goal still intended? If so, 
what has happened in the last one to two years or whatever the time frame is where you've gone awry, where things have gone different? Because, you know, the self-reflection and the assessment is what's going to have to help curtail the situation. So if you have to turn back the car and drive back the thousand miles, you know, that's how you're going to be able to do it because you have to assess. So I would say really, you know, instead of even just getting to that point, I mean, if you're at that point, again, the self-assessment, speaking with people who are going to be able to provide the insight that you aren't able to provide for yourself, seeking out that knowledge, hopefully also will kind of curtail, kind of tailor where you need to move going forward. But also before you even got to that point, I would say, I think people need to take a step back and be assessing how did this week go? How did this two weeks go? How did this month go? Like if you're constantly taking the time to reflect along the journey of whatever journey we're dealing with, it's a lot easier to not kind of get kind of thrown out there, you know, a couple of years past and you're like, what happened? Right? Because along the way, you've been in touch with your thoughts and you've been in touch with the process and you've been looking and been and seeing, you know what, I've been pushing, 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 this isn't budging instead of, you know, pushing for a year and then being like, what happened? Right? Like really being reflective and and analytical as much as possible. Mm. So we should always have a constant state of assessing and yes, yes, we have to problem solve all the time, right? Because I think the lawyer in me would say, (laughs) right, that you don't always want to just arrive at a conclusion and be like, what happened? right? Right? There are indicators from you, from the people around you, from your circumstances that are kind of, you know, little red flags or little white flags and and you are capable of really being honest with yourself and looking along the way before we arrive you know in the sinking hole saying you know what the hell like <laughs> right, for real so you weren't always this wise uh, you had a time where you know running this business start getting dressing room eight up and running you had some challenges of your own right some roadblocks mm-hmm. your own maybe help us to understand this from a time in your own journey Mm -hmm. Could you kind of share with us one of your failures, one of your roadblocks, explain to us what happened and what you're able to learn in that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we all share like common kind of roadblocks, right? Where Mm -hmm. you think you're in the business of X, but you're really in the business of Y, right? And you really have to understand, you know, at the core basis, you know, at the core of what I do, it's, it's coaching and consulting, right? And so that, you know, making sure that I'm being true to what I'm offering, being true to what the proposition ad is for whoever I'm working with, you know, the roadblocks you, I mean, I would say primarily in a newer business is just getting the clientele right? Like making sure that you're connecting with people who are able to collaborate with you in a meaningful way that, you know, provide the support and or the, you know, what you're looking for out of the business as well as what they're looking for. And so I think, again, when you're in a business that's involving people, you know, you can have miscommunications, you can have expectations that are not being that are not matching, right? What I think is necessary as a consultant might not be what my client might think, because a lot of times when you're running your business, right, it's like your baby, right? And so when mm-hmm. someone comes to you and is telling you, well, your baby needs, you know, needs to get a tarot cut, mm-hmm. you know, you might be like, how dare you, right? I have never like be very, very kind of territorial about having other people come in and assess what's going on. So I think what some of the things I've learned is that, you know, you can do what you can do up to but so much, right? So when you're working with someone and you're trying to give them the insight and the knowledge that they need, and if they don't want to take it, or they don't want to apply it, you can't stay up all night and rack your head against the wall, right? That you can't be like, Oh, my God, I'm not getting what I need done. At the end of the day, 
you, if you're in a service oriented industry or a service industry, service kind of job or role, you want to do the best that you can do. But as a consultant, making, having that, having the ability to also say, you know, my client ultimately has the the final decision and you can't get emotionally caught up in there and feel like, you know, like you're not getting what you need to get done because ultimately if you did what you did, you have to leave it with the person and and hope that they're open or they, I love this word, woke enough to really see what needs to get done. So I would say that's one of the things that I learned. And then also, you know, it's okay if you, you know, when I think a lot of times when you're starting a new business, people see, feel like, you know, for every conversation they have to have, you have to close the deal, right? Not every conversation is going to, not everything's going to work out that way. Sometimes, you know, for the deals that you think you need to close, they don't close. And for the deals that you didn't think they were going to close, they do, you know, everything has purpose, everything has meaning. And And so you have to have a little bit of flexibility with yourself in the sense of as things are progressing and evolving, that you kind of go with the flow in that sense where you don't kind of fight and like to say you really want to work with this one client and you really think it's meant to be and they're not budging, you know, and then that type of rejection or that type of standstill can kind of affect your mindset. And you're like, oh man, well, if they won't work with me, what if these people won't work with me? One no has no bearing on any other person or business. And if that no is a no, then guess what? Like, it's not the end of the world that you can still move forward. And you never know that no might turn into a yes down the road. So again, that's where the patience comes in, right? Because just because you want something, just because you're expecting something on your timeline, what people don't work on your timeline, they work on their timeline. So those are some of the like lessons that I've definitely learned in working with various people. That's awesome. Do you think you mentioned six personalities that we kind of need to surround ourselves with? Do you think that we need more than just mentors when starting a business? interesting. I think you need people to like, I think, you know, you, A, if you're a business owner interested in entrepreneurship, you have to resolve the fact that you're going to could be a lifelong learner, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And you know, you're going to be surprised as to how much you don't know on many different categories. So and verticals, so you have to continually be seeking out knowledge. So I would definitely say you definitely want mentors or advisors or people who are experts or leading an industry that you can either go to on a personal level, you can capture their information, the resources that they put out. But then, you know, depending upon what you do, maybe you also need someone who's going to partner with you. A lot of times, I think a lot of people say, I have to have a business, but I can only have a business if I'm running it myself. Well, you know, is that really the best plan of action, right? Because when you're a solopreneur, that means that everything is on you. And, uh, you know, some people that works for, but I'm one of those people where I'm grateful that I have a business partner because why you can divide and conquer that and your strengths might not be the strengths of a person that you work with, but at least at the end of the day, your weaknesses can be the strengths of someone else or together you can be stronger. So really looking at what you're trying to offer and figuring out what is the best plan of attack to do this? Is it you by yourself? Or maybe you do need a partner. Maybe you need a couple of people. Maybe you need investors. Like really being honest with what is it going to take to achieve the dream that you want? And and building out a team, if that's a part of that, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to go out there and network like crazy and meet the people 
who maybe will come on board officially. Maybe they'll just kind of be unofficial supporters or fans of what you're doing and or advisors and making sure that, you know, you're asking yourself this question along the way, because maybe you start your business three years out. Maybe you feel like, oh man, you know, I really feel like I need a partner. I really feel like I need this, that, the other. Again, it's never too late to <laughs> to evolve, to make the changes that are necessary. Absolutely. So What's one strategy, right, that mm-hmm. you would coach if you had nothing else to share? One strategy. Ooh, you ask good questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like, just believe in yourself and your capabilities. I think so many people I speak to and I coach doubt their ability to have an impact. Yes. They doubt their skill set. Mm-hmm. They doubt that what they want is even possible. They doubt that people will respond to them. They doubt that, you know, that even if they have this, how long will it last? Like doubt, I think is like just a dirty word. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's like, it's so bad because it's so unnecessary and it's so such an energy sucker, right? If you're spending, we all have what the same 24 hours to work with mm-hmm. So how you use it is what? under your control. And if you're spending even a minute doubting who you are, what you're capable of, what the universe is offering to you, you're wasting time. And what is time? Something we can never get back, nor is it granted or guaranteed. So I would say, you know, stop with the doubt. Stop with the, I don't know. And the, how am I going to get there? And I know it's hard to say that, but what do you have to do? I literally want people to, when they hear, or when they're thinking these things, just say, stop, Mm -hmm. right? Breathe. I can do this. I am meant for this. I will make it happen. Like speak it into the world and think it as well. People also tell me, well, no, Tasha, I don't say negative things, but do you think them? Because if you think them, (laughs) it's still going to have to affect on your universe. So stop, just stop it. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Stop the doubt. Take it out of your vocab. Take out the I can't, I don't, I don't know. Stop it. Because success doesn't want to hear it. Success doesn't care. Like it doesn't. (laughs) So you need to just, you know, work and have the intention of success and believe that it's possible and do what it takes. You can achieve more than you think is possible. So just stop with the doubt because it's wasting time and it's getting in the way of what you really want. Curious to know if, you know, we're at the end of a day and we're having this discussion, but as you get up each day, are there any specific morning routines or rituals that kind of help you to flush the doubts and to to get in the right mindset to be able to succeed each day? Yes, I thankfully have a couple of things. So first, when I wake up, the first thing I do is I'm very grateful that I woke up. That's the first victory of the day, right? We have to count every single victory and acknowledge it. So waking up, so grateful and thankful that I woke up. Then I think about three things that I'm grateful for about myself, about life, about my my husband, about my family, just being the gratitude. You can't be grateful enough. So I definitely, that's like the first thing I do. And then thankfully my lab and shepherd dog named JJ is always, always by me. With the minute I wake up, his nose is on my cheek. <laughs> That's my morning ritual with my pooch. Uh He's, you know, hey there, mommy. How are you? Hey there, boo-boo. How are you? (laughs) So that's a part of my morning ritual. 
And, you know, all my life I've loved animals. I didn't necessarily have them. I just had my turtles and fish. And now I'm fortunate to have a dog and a cat. And I'm grateful for the funky personalities that live in my household. (laughs) And um, they're a part of, you know, a reminder to me that like, you know, no matter what, my dog is adorable. Life is good. Like, I don't care what's happening. My JJ is beautiful. So (laughs) yeah, very excited with that. And then, you know, then I start to think about what I want to do. So I get up you know, go sit down again, old school, like my pen and my paper, write down what my to-do list is every day. Mm. And again, maybe I hit it all. Maybe I don't. I'm not going to get down on myself if I don't. I'm going to try to assess how the day went to figure out why I missed, you know, where I didn't hit what I needed to hit and how I can make the next day better. But, you know, it's all about waking up, being excited for the day, being purposeful about what you're doing and, you know, make it count, right? Every minute is just a blessing and you just really want to be excited and happy because I think people are either not being conscious about their lives or, you know, they're disgruntled about things that that negative stuff is not making the day better. It's not getting you what you want. So like, try to be happy. (laughs) Even when you're dealing with rough stuff, like try to see the brighter side of it, try to see the solution out of it and not get boggled down in the emotions and the hows and the Oh, I don't know, you know, that's we can get past that. And if you are, you are, you're excited and, you know, you're jumping for joy like I am. But thankfully, yeah, I would say gratitude and JJ is a very big uh, <laughs> helper in my, my start to my day. Love it. You know, to that point, I've challenged myself to not try to write out too many things on my to-do list each day. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I go for the quality in it, I guess, mm-hmm. more than just trying to hit, you know, this ridiculous number of tasks that I know I won't hit mm-hmm. all of them. You know, so I don't use pen and paper. I'm I'm an Evernote and an Asana guy. And okay, I okay. Asana I have Asana too. Yep. You know, but if I start hitting more than maybe five or six, you know, tasks for that mm-hmm. day, I just move on to another day because I gotcha. realize there's no way, you know, I'm going to get through all of that. I'm just going to end up with a whole lot of red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love Asana. Very easy. Yeah, so I, I do both. Like mm. I think in checklists, I think in bullet points and tables. So for me, like I like, yeah, I wish I, I actually need to make a dress of checklists. I love a checklist. It's yeah. like, it makes me so happy. <laughs> so before I wrap up, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for being our guest. There's a lot of wisdom you shared with us today. And I'd love for you to Maybe tell us how we can stay connected to you. How can our trailblazers learn more about your platform? Awesome. Yes. Thank you. You definitely, you know, I try to be as accessible on social media as possible. So first I would say the website dressing room, the number eight.com. You can find our Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Pinterest handles are all there. You can connect with me there. Email me Natasha at dressing room eight, the number.com, you know, and shout out and connect with me. I love when I get like emails from people who are like, Hey, I just wanted to say, Hey, and you inspire me or, you know, all that, like anything, just feel free to like reach out. I think so many people, you know, even some people ask if they can say hi, like, don't you dare, you feel free to talk to anyone you want in this world. You know, we are all human beings. We're not isolated islands. Like holler at your girl. Like I'm here. I want to hear your story. If I can be of assistance and we can collaborate, I'm here. So feel free to email me, check out the website, see me on dressing room eights, you know, social media. It'll be awesome. So thank you again for having me. Absolutely. And so the last question for today, and Mm -hmm. actually it's more of an action item, right? I'd love for Mm -hmm. you to share with our Blazonation one action that they can take this week 
to help them blaze our trail. Ooh, okay. I would say write a short list of like two to three things that they want to accomplish in the next let's say the next month, what are two to three things that they haven't done that they definitely have been, you know, kind of percolated in their mind, they want to do it and give themselves a deadline. When are you going to achieve it? So, you know, earlier this year for myself, like I said, I wanted to read three books a month. So far, I'm struggling in June. I've I've been been good up until now. But I know what got in the way of what happened in June. So I'll correct that. So that's one of them. So yeah, just like two to three things, give each of them a deadline of when you're going to actually achieve it. uh, And then also work out in your calendar how we're going to get there, right? So if it's something that needs to be done on a daily basis, if it needs to be done on a weekly basis, work it out and then shout it out to Trailblazers, right? And to me, let us know when, if they did it and if they achieved, you know, their dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. Natasha Nurse, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.